cool. So while that's going around, I'll give you a, a little intro. Uh, this week, we are starting a new series called Devoted. And uh, I normally don't get to start series, so I'm, I was definitely excited for this opportunity um, to kind of lay the groundwork for where we're going. So I'm, I'm definitely super excited. Um, if you guys don't know our backstory as a church, uh, seven years ago, a few crazy people decided to plant a church uh, from, from Ontario to East L.A., and um, our name of our church uh, was Revolution, and um, we thought at the time it was a good name because it kind of was uh, kind of our heart for our church is, if you don't know what the definition of revolution is, it means to start, to go back to a starting point, to do a, do a full revolution. So at the time, we thought that was an amazing name and an amazing heart for our church is to let's go back to way, the way it began. Let's go back to the way church is supposed to be, or church was initially started. And um, now we're Restoration LA. We feel that now, where we're at now in God, it, this is a, a name that, that represents who we are and what God wants to do in the life of this community. But at the same time, we haven't moved away from that revolution mindset of going back to the early church and wanting to pattern our church the way the early church was patterned. Amen? You get what I'm saying? So today I have the privilege to read uh, Acts. So if you have your Bibles, you guys can turn to Acts 2. We are going to look at um, a few scriptures in, in, the, in the Acts about the early church. So I'm going to start off with Acts 2.12. And this is basically the day of Pentecost. This is uh, Peter speaking to the Jews. And, and if you know anything about the day of Pentecost, we, we see it that it's a radical um, a radical amount of events took place in just a small, short period of time. And uh, so Acts 2.12, it says, God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. Now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he has promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us, just as you see here today. For David himself never ascended into heaven, yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you've crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Oh, turn to Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord or God. And then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. Amen. Is that a good deal? Salvation, is that good? Amen. Let's pray. So Lord, we just uh, invite you here, God. We know you're here. There's no need to invite you, God. We just, we just ask, Lord, that you would move amongst us, God. We pray, Lord, that you would open our hearts and open our eyes and our ears to what you want to share this morning, God. And I just pray, Lord, that we would be willing and um, 
just open for your word this morning, God. I just pray, Lord, that you would move and that this morning we would just glorify you in this preach. We would glorify you in our time together. And uh, we just pray, God, that you would open the hearts of your people this morning. In your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So that's the backstory. The day of Pentecost. Lives are getting changed. 3,000 people being saved. It's an amazing picture of what God wants for his community and for his, his world. Amen? And then we read um, right after that, after verse 41, we read, uh, and this is where we're going to be at, uh, the community of the early church. So Acts 2, uh, verse 43 to 47, that, this is where we got our, our portion of scripture for our series. So we're going to go through this, we're going to dissect it, and we want to know, God, what, what are you showing us as a church today? What was the early church devoted to? Why, why is the early church so important? So let's read Acts 2, verse 42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. And each day, say each day, each day. the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Amen. Is that good? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. Are we tired? Yeah. We're good? Are we excited for what's happening this morning? So when we read about the early church, we see a picture of a church that is radical, that is genuine, that was excited for what God was doing in their midst. We read about a church that was, was on fire or hungry about what God has just done, right? That's the early church. That's the picture of the early church. They were hungry for the things of the Lord. We see a long list of things that they were devoted to. The, the, the Bible says they were devoted to teaching and to fellowship. They were devoted to sharing meals and to prayer. They said, because of this devotion, many signs and wonders took place. The believers met together and shared everything they had. They formed a community. They worshiped together. They met together for meals with great joy and generosity. Doing all this while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of the people. And each day, the Lord added to those being saved. Each day. And it all started with that word, being devoted. So what's the definition of being devoted? Um, just obviously when we talk about definitions, there's no biblical scripture. I just Googled. Okay, that's okay. We can Google. It says, uh, Google, being devoted means is something, I'm sorry, being devoted to something means being focused on that particular thing almost exclusively. When you are devoted to a cause, you work to achieve its goals. When you are devoted to a person, you place their needs above your own. Uh, steadfast in giving, love, or attention. Devoted. Makes sense, right? Being devoted to something. Being devoted. Each and every one of us here in this room is devoted to something. Can we say amen to that? There's something. Whether it's one thing or multiple things, every single one of us in this person, believer or not, is devoted to something. Some of us are devoted to lots of things, 
but there's at least one thing that we're devoted to as believers in this room. For me, I'm devoted to my wife, and that's a good thing. Amen? Me and my wife, we, we're, we're going to celebrate 10 years of marriage. That's a good thing. That's an awesome thing. Yeah. I don't know how she did it. 10 years. I don't know. 10 years. But I'm devoted to my wife. We would all say that's a good thing. I'm devoted to my kids. I got three kids. I got two twins and a, and a son, and they're awesome. And I'm devoted. And I'm devoted to be the best father that I possibly can be. Each and every day, I, I try to be the better than I was the day before. The same with my marriage. I try to be, the be a better husband than I was before. And sometimes I fail. But I'm devoted to trying, and I'm devoted to being the very best I possibly can be at being a husband and a father. It's a good thing, right? Some of us may be devoted to our careers, to our jobs. We spend a lot of time going to school. You better be devoted to it. You don't want to spend four years in college, six years in college, and you're just like, I guess I kind of do it every day. But we're devoted to it. We're devoted to our, our, our jobs and our careers. Some of us are devoted to our sport teams. And that's a good thing. We got a lot of Dodger fans in here, and we're devoted to them, right? Yes? No? We can be excited about you guys are excited when I'm not up here talking about it. Huh? It feels good to talk about the Dodgers without having to hear anything about Giants, right? Missy Justin. He listens. Dodgers, Raiders, we're, we're devoted to our, 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 our sports, right? We, we got tattoos on them. Who has a tattoo of a, of a sport team on their, on their body right now? No judgment. Francisco, he, he's, see, Francisco's uh, the devoted Dodger fan. Raider fan? Both of them? Psycho. <laughs> We're devoted to uh, our hobbies, fishing, cars, schools, families, friends. Some of us in here would say that we're devoted friends. And maybe we, have, we lived a life of, of not being, having good friends and, and people turning their backs on us or backstabbing us. So you decided that you're going to start living your life being a devoted friend, a loyal friend. That's a good thing. These are all good things that we can be devoted to, right? Good things. But in reality, a lot of us will be devoted to some things that we may feel that are very important or we may feel that are very good things, some things that demand our time and our efforts and our attention. But I have to say that just because it's a good thing, it doesn't mean it's always the best thing. Does that make sense? Even though they're good things, it doesn't always mean it's the best thing. Make sense? It doesn't always mean it's the best thing. So wait a minute, Steve. Are you telling me that my knitting club is not the, a good thing? That's not what I'm saying. If your knitting club is, the, is, is you're devoted to your knitting club, that's great. That's fine. That's cool. If you're devoted to your car club or to your, your, your football team, that's fine. But if your football game is at 10.05 a.m. on a Sunday, and you're going to choose to miss church over watching your football team, then I have a problem. Then there's an issue there. If you're devoted to your knitting club that's on Wednesdays, but then they move it to Sundays at, at 10, and, and you say, you know what, I want to be a part of my knitting club, I'm devoted to it, I got to be there, then I would say that good thing of your knitting club is, may not be the best thing to do that at this time. That's all I'm saying. I understand that as a hard worker, you might say, you know what, I have to work. 
I have to work 75 hours a week because if I don't work and my family doesn't eat, I'm devoted to my job. And I get that. But if those 75 hours is taking time away from you and the Lord, then I want to ask you, is it the best thing to be doing? Is it the best thing to devote your time to right now? Even though things may be good, even though things may be great, if these things keep us from the things of God, then our de- things that we are devoted to will hinder us from moving forward in God. If the things that we do or we're devoted to hinder us from moving forward in the kingdom of God, then I want to question, is, should you be devoted to it? I would ask that you would take a minute to think about it. Is this the best thing you should be putting your time and effort into? And I'm not here to judge. I'm not here to, to condemn. That's not the, the point of this, uh, this, this preach. It's just to allow us to understand, what are we devoted to? You know, for me, my wife is up here. She would think that uh, fantasy sports is something that hinders, <laughs> hinders uh, our marriage and our, and our lives. But I would say that fantasy sports is something that I'm devoted to. I love that stuff. I have charts and papers and and graphs and I do homework and you read up on the players and you're trying to build the best team possible and you may laugh at me, but I'm three-time NBA fantasy champion. That's right. Ask David, ask Lewis. I've ruined their lives every season. But if that hinders me from moving forward in the kingdom of God, then there's something I have to ask myself. Should I continue to be doing this? Should I be devoting myself to so much time and charts and graphs and homework if this is stopping me and hindering me from moving forward in the kingdom of God? Does that make sense? If you devote yourself, who who thinks social media is a bad thing in here? Everyone thinks it's a good thing? It's a good thing, right? I thought all the religious people were going to be like, social media is terrible. Social media is a good thing if it's done right. Yes, like Eric said, if it's done right. But if you focus on social media more than your job, you're going to start seeing things go downhill fast, right? You're going to find yourself in your boss's office a lot more. You're going to see your production drop, right? You're going to be missing things. You're going to, so a good thing like social media, when you devote yourself to it in the wrong time or the bad, or bad time, you would, you'll see the, the negative aspect of it, right? Same thing if you uh, dedicate yourself to a Netflix series and you got, you know, 10 years of series with 65 episodes each series, and uh, each, each season, and you're supposed to be babysitting, right? And, you, you know, you devote yourself to this series. You know what? I have all night. I'm going to watch these, this movie, this series. And then you start smelling fire and hear stuff breaking. You probably lose a kid. It's probably not the best thing to do is to devote yourself to a Netflix series when you're supposed to be taking care of lives, right? So I ask you this morning, what do you find yourself devoted to today? When we read about the early church and when we read about Acts, we see that the early church was devoted to the apostles' teachings. They were devoted to the apostles' teachings. Who were the apostles? In John 17, verse 7, we see a a, a very good picture of Jesus going on behalf of the Father and praying for his apostles and the disciples, right? says, I have revealed to you the ones that you gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you, for I have passed on to them the message 
you gave me. They accepted it and know that it came and know and know that I came from you. Sorry, I read that silly. They accepted it and know that I came from you, and they believe you sent me. The apostles. The apostles, these were the people who were, who were following Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection. They've seen him move. They've heard about the word. They were on fire for him. They've seen him do miraculous signs. They walked with him, right? The apostles, they got, they, this, we see Jesus saying, they know the word. They know everything that I saw, everything that I've said, I've given to them and they know it. These are the apostles. So what were they teaching? Like I said, they were basically teaching the word of God. Because they seen God do it. They didn't have a, a perfect spiral-bound book with inde- uh, in, index and table of contents. And it didn't look like this back then. But what they did was they wrote down what they seen Jesus do. They wrote down what Jesus said. And they were teaching the people. They were teaching the early church. Basically, they were teaching the word of God. Amen? So we break it down. The early church was devoted to growth. They were devoted to each other. We read that. They formed a community, and nobody was without need, and they loved each other, and they shared meals together, and they grew together, and they matured together, and they studied together. That's community, right? So they were devoted to each other. They were devoted to what the Word brought, joy, knowledge, encouragement. It encouraged them to persevere in the faith despite any challenges or trials that they would be facing. Jesus has walked with them for, for, for a few years now, and then they found him that, that, he, that he got crucified. And they did that so that hopefully that the believers would just run away and never, ever mention anything about Jesus again. But yet, even though I'm sure it was a frightening time, but they seen Jesus resurrect, and they talked to Jesus, and they knew Jesus. So they used this word as encouragement to persevere in the faith. Does that make sense? Romans 15.4 says, Everything written in the scriptures was written to teach us in order that we might have hope through the patience and encouragement with the script, which the scriptures give us. What I love about the word of God is that it, it changes you. And, and, and backstory, I'm not a good reader. I don't like reading books. I don't like sitting down and reading books and just like looking at my watch like, is this book ever going to end? Okay? And I'm sure a lot of us in here are like that, and that's cool. I get it. But this book, this word of God that the early church devoted themselves to, the yeah. teachings of the apostles, it changes them. It's the very presence of God. It was real to them. When you read this thing and you open it up and you give it a chance, it actually grabs a hold of your heart. See, when you turn to numbers and you're reading a whole bunch of cities and stuff, you probably turn there and you're just like, what the heck is this? Okay, I'm done with that. Okay? Don't do that. Don't turn to numbers. Turn to the New Testament. Get some good stuff going. But when you actually give it time and you actually devote yourself to it, it, it comes alive. And it grabs a hold of you. And it starts to speak to you. And it starts to grab your attention like never before. And you start to understand things you never understood. Stuff that you read a year ago starts to make a whole lot more sense now. Stuff that you read a week ago when you weren't in that particular position. Now you read it and now it's like, oh, wow, it's treasure. Wow, I get it. I understand what God is saying. But you got to devote yourself to it. Amen? The Word of God points to Jesus. The early church, when, when they would read their scrolls or their writings that they had, it would point to Jesus. It was, it was Jesus' word. It was his life. 
It was real to them. And like I said, it pointed them to Jesus. It's basically a mirror. It, it let them know that their need for, to repent, right? It let them know the need to turn from their wicked ways, to give their lives to the Lord. It broke chains and it brought freedom. The apostles' teaching, the word of God. Is that good? Second Timothy says, all scripture is God-breathed. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good works. We have an amazing thing here. The early church, the, whatever the apostles taught, they kept what they, what they heard in their hearts. They kept it at home in their hearts. And when you keep the word of God in your heart, and it's not something that you just occasionally do, it makes, it makes your home in your heart. It makes the word of God makes a home in your heart. Does that make sense? Yeah. Are we keeping God's word at home in our hearts, or do we treat it like an occasional guest? Where every now and then we'll kind of clean up, we'll, make, we'll, 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 you know, we'll tidy up, we'll strain everything up, we'll invite him in. Okay, I'm reading a little bit maybe, maybe I'll kind of, I'll give it attention. And then when stuff gets awkward or weird, you just kind of start, oh, you know, it's late. It's 8 o'clock already. Maybe you should just go home. Right? Or do we keep it at home in our hearts? And we're comfortable with it and we want it there. We cannot treat the word of God, the apostles' teaching, like an occasional guest. This is something that should always have place in our hearts and in our lives. Amen? See, the thing about this word of God is when you devote yourself to it, you get comfortable with it. You live there, you move in there, you wake up there, and you return to, to it every night. It's home. It becomes your life, your nourishment. It begins to shape your worldview, your thoughts, your morals. It governs and it guides your, your, your thinking and your attitude. It starts to mold and shape your behavior and your speech. It starts to change you when you devote yourself to this word. Can we say amen to that? That's a good deal. It's a good thing. Hebrews 4.12 says, The word of God is alive and active. The word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It cuts all the way through to where the soul and spirit meet, to where joints and marrow come together. It judges the desires and the thoughts of the heart. Psalms 119, verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp to guide me and a light for my path. You become so devoted to it that there is not an area of your life that is not influenced or subject to this thing. There's not a decision that you make without coming here first. There's not a thought that you have without coming here first. It's that real and it's that life-changing and it's that important because you've devoted yourself to it. Amen? It's devoted. Because of the early church devotion and the apostles' willingness to teach the word, it affected their entire life, and it was infectious to others, and they wanted to be a part of it. People saw the early church, how exciting it was. They seen that even despite the challenges and the trials that they may have been facing, why are they so joyful? Why do they come together? Why, why are they so happy? Why do they praise God? Why are people giving their lives to this Lord? What is the message? I want to hear it. I want to see it. I want, to, I want, to, I want it for myself. And they, were, and they, too, because of the apostles or the people's devotion, they wanted a piece of it. It was infectious. 
Sometimes as believers, we can read this thing all we want, and it just never does a changing in our lives. It never changes the inward. It never, it never grabs a hold of the heart. We just kind of read it, and it's just words, and it's kind of cool, and we do our religious duty, and you might read it every night before you go to bed, but it never just grabs roots. It never grabs arms and legs and just grabs a hold of us. But in the early church, they were devoted to it. And because of their devotion, people gave their lives to the Lord, and salvation was taking place every single day. Yeah. It's radical. That kind of devotion is radical. It's not seen every day. And I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of a church that is passionate about the things of God. I want Restoration LA to be, to be a church that's devoted to the Word of God, that's devoted to the things of God, that we do not go left or right without going to this first. We don't start a, 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 a Bible group or whatever without going to this first. We just don't do whatever we want to grab a part of people's hearts and maybe if we have a, a Harley Davidson club, maybe more bikers will come. We don't do those things. We go to this and we allow this to grab a hold of people's hearts. Does that make sense? We're devoted to this. Like I said, I don't like reading. I don't like sitting down and going through a book. I don't. It's not something that comes natural, natural to me. But when it comes to the things of God, I'm hungry for it. And I want to devour all that I can. And I want all of it I can. And maybe I'm not ready for something now, but I'm, I'm, I'm my life and my ears, I'm, I'm open for it soon. Yeah. And I want it. If God has given it to me, I want it all. I'm hungry. Amen? Amen. Matthew 4, verse 4 says, But Jesus told him, No, the scriptures say, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. There's a difference between physical hunger and spiritual hunger. Physical hunger and spiritual hunger. Physically, when you're hungry, your stomach starts to growl, you start passing McDonald's and Carl's Jr., and you, everything starts to look good. But when you're physically hungry, you stop and you eat, and you eat until you're not hungry anymore. Right? That's physical hunger. Everyone knows what that is about? I think we all eat in here. Right? So we eat. We physically eat. We're hungry. We eat. We eat till we're not hungry anymore, and then we push away from the table, and we say, okay, that's good. That was a good meal. But when you're spiritually hungry, when there's a spiritual hunger, if you don't eat, you don't hung you're not hungry for it. If you're not hungry for it, you don't eat. It's different. There's two different ways to play it. Physically and spiritually, it's not the same thing. Spiritually, the, the more you starve yourself from God's word, the less you want of it. And you're spiritually just, you're starving. You're starving yourself. But the more you eat of this, the more hungry you are of this, the more that you, that you open the pages and, and you just go through the word of God, the more hungry you are, then the hungry you stay. Yeah. You never get full. You never push yourself away from the table and say, that's good, I'm, I'm good for the next month. I'm good to the next Bible study. Right. No, but when you open this and you're hungry for it, Absolutely. you never leave here. Absolutely. That makes sense. Yeah. Is that good? Yeah. So are we starving ourselves of the word of God or are we hungry? For the word of God. That's my question to you, Restoration LA. We need to be hungry for the apostles' teaching. We need to be uh, hungry for the word of God.
talking about reading the Bible gets fishy. It gets weird. Because if, if I would ask everybody in this room, who needs to read this more? Everybody openly and honestly would say, me. Right? Who needs to read this more? Right? It's easy to say that. It's easy to say that. But I'm not talking about just only reading. It's not just about just reading the Bible. Because all of us have busy days. All of us have busy lives. It can get very, very hard to open this up and just read the whole Bible, right? I see people, you know, they give their lives to the Lord, they get saved, and they're like, I want, what's, the, what's the first thing you want to do? I want to read the whole Bible. Ah, probably not going to understand everything right away. But if I would say who needs to read this more, everybody would raise their hand, but it's not about reading it more. It's about reading it for what it's worth. Right? It doesn't matter if you read 50 chapters a day, 30 verses a night, or just one chapter a day, or you go through a devotion in, in, in your iPad. But it's not reading a lot, but it's reading it for what it's worth. Right? It's not just reading it, it's just allowing it to grip your lives. It's about allowing it to be everything that it's supposed to be. The early church was devoted to the teachings. They were devoted to the word. But not just the word. They were more so devoted to the one that the word was about. They were devoted to the one that the teachings were centered on. Make sense? So talking about the Bible and talking about reading the Bible, it gets easy. That's where it gets easy. Because you can just say, oh yeah, I'm busy. Oh yeah, I don't have time. Or yeah, I'll make time. And maybe I'll just read it. But it gets harder because I'm not, I don't want to just stay here about reading the word. What I want to talk about is are we devoted to the one that the word is centered on? And that's when it gets a little difficult. So are we devoted to the word of God? My next question is are we devoted to the one that the word is written about? John 1 says, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God. And the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him. And nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. The early church was devoted to the word and that word was Jesus. It was Jesus Christ. This thing is pointed to Jesus Christ. Everything in here from Old Testament to New Testament, it points to Jesus. It points to the Messiah. It points to the salvation. It points to repenting and forgiving and giving our lives back to Jesus. Everything in here is rooted on Jesus. When we read this, Jesus is present. It just pops up at at you. The early church was devoted to Jesus. Amen? It was more than just listening it was more than just sitting down and going, oh, I like the way he teaches. Oh, that's a good teach. I, well, that's pretty nice. I like the way Ken teaches. He's way better than Steve. I like the way Jody teaches. It was more than just sitting down and just listening. To All right, dude, what do you got for us today? Oh, Jody's gone. Oh, gosh. I'm not coming to church. Oh, Steve is up there. He's going to talk about fantasy sports. I already know. 
It was more than listening. It was more than just reading for two minutes before you go to sleep. It was more than that. It was about obeying and living out the word. It was about grabbing a hold of everything the apostles taught, grab a hold of everything the word of God said, and actually living it out so that the world can see it and the world can get changed. When we crack open this word of God, it's the very presence of Jesus. Jesus is talking. Jesus is grabbing a hold of our hearts. He's gripping us. He's revealing things to us. It's not just, oh, I wonder what Peter has for me today. It's Jesus. James 1, 22 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do not merely just listen to the word. Don't just come on a Sunday morning, sit in a chair and say, okay, I've done my religious duty for the week. See you guys next Sunday. That's not what this is about. That's not what reading the Bible is about. It's about listening, it's about reading, it's about receiving, and it's about doing, it's about going out. It's about allowing what we read, um, allowing what we've heard to change us and transform us. Amen? Luke 17, verse 28 says, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. It's a good deal, and it's a good thing. To be devoted to something means that you may have to give up a few things. You might have to give up knitting club. You might have to give up fantasy sports. You might have to say, you know what, kids, I love you right now, but the million things that you are signed up for, we can't do that next season. Because I want to be devoted to the word of God. I want to be devoted to Jesus. I want to center our lives and my life around the foundation of God. There might be something that needs to be sacrificed. But when you devote yourself to something better, when you, devo- when you devote yourself to Jesus, you're transformed and lives are changed and things change around you. When you devote yourself to something better, you devote yourself to Jesus, the Holy Spirit moves and you start seeing more and hearing more and understanding more. When you devote yourself to Jesus and you start devoting yourself to the church and its community, you start... You start um, you just start seeing what God is doing, and it's evident in people's lives. Unity in the body. When we're all in one accord, and we're all on one mission, and we're all dedicated and focused and devoted to this, this is stronger, yeah. and it's more effective. Absolutely. This is stronger. We love each other. We're there for each other. We support each other, and we go out, and people are like, what is going on in that church? Exactly. It doesn't matter about the numbers. It doesn't matter if there's 55 people here or 300 people here, but they see what's happening here. They see the unity in the community, and they're saying, you know what? Something's going on in there. Look at their lives. Look at how so, they're so devoted. They're so focused. They're so hungry for the word. They're so hungry for the things of God. And then because of that devotion, people get added. Because of that devotion, people give their lives to the Lord. When we devote ourselves to the one that the word is written about, there's joy and, in, and is evident in our lives. People are added to the kingdom because you radically devote yourself to something that might just be the best thing. 
Hebrews 5, 11, 14 says, There is much more we would like to say about this, but it's difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need some, someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who, loves on, uh, who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. And I don't want to just end there with that, but I'm just saying that we have to question ourselves and, and figure out where we're at. Are we still on milk? Or are we eating the solid food of this? Are we eating upon this? Just going back to the hungry thing. Are we hungry for this? Or are we cool with just a bottle? Or do we want the steak? Or are we good with just like the bowl of cereal? Being devoted doesn't mean you have to cut stuff out of your life or you have to give up your, everything you've ever wanted so you can be devoted. But what I've felt during this preach and during this message and just preparing things and getting it ready, I just want to ask, what are we devoted ourselves to? If we devoted ourselves to Jesus, the Word of God and Jesus just a, a little bit more or maybe the, as much as we love uh, our sport teams and we say, you know what, I'm not going to miss Sundays anymore to go to the NFL games. And I was actually at church. That would be, how many games are football, uh, games in a football season? 16. That would be 16 Sundays that you would, well, actually, away games. So, never mind. My example sucks. <laughs> but if we, would de- if we would devote ourselves to God, as much as we would devote ourselves to our sport teams, what would our lives look like? If we would devote ourselves to the things of God and the apostles' teaching and the word of God as much as we devote ourselves to our friends, what would our lives look like? If we would devote ourselves to the word of God and the things of God more than we do our jobs, how much more can we affect this world? Restoration LA. We can definitely change the world. We talk about this every week. We can definitely affect the people that are in our lives. We can definitely affect and encourage and love on those who are closest to us. But we have to ask the question, am I devoted to this? Am I devoted to the word of God? Am I allowing this to grab a hold of my life? So Lord, I just thank you for this word. God, I thank you for everything that is in this word. Lord, and I pray, God, that Maybe we don't have a desire to read. Or maybe we don't understand everything that, we, that, we, that we, we take from this book. But I pray, Lord, that we would continue to devote ourselves to it. And I pray, God, that we wouldn't just sit down and just listen or sit down and read, God. But we would actually apply it to our lives. We would obey it. We would live it out. And we will allow you to bring the transformation in others, God, through our lives. Lord, I just pray, God, as we continue our devoted series, Lord, I pray, God, that we would all just come to a place where we can just check our hearts, check our lives, and just see, God, am I devoted to you? Am I devoted to this, the way the, the early church did church? 
I want to be radical. I want to be hungry. I want to be devoted to you, Lord. And I just pray, God, that you would highlight things in my life that need to be removed or tweaked or changed. And I pray, God, that through that, through those sacrifices, Lord, people will, will catch on fire for you and lives will be transformed and chains will be broken, God. And freedom would come because of the devotion that is happening in this church. So God, we love you and we thank you. We give you all the praise and all the glory. In your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.